Welcome to the Social Dallas Podcast. Today you will hear an uplifting message from our pastor, Robert Madu. Our hope is that your relationship with God would flourish like never before. Welcome to Pop-Up Pentecost Sunday. All y'all standing around there in the back, y'all got to see it. Y'all just want to stand up the whole service. That's cool. You can pop you can pop a seat, you can stand, you can do whatever you want. I love uh, my bride. She let y'all know that uh, we are one of those churches that you really can't stop us from having church. <laughs> we gonna find a way, whether we got to go outside to Strauss Square, whether we got to turn Tuesday into Sunday and call it Pentecost Sunday. <laughs> We cannot be stopped, and kind of the motto you have to have when you're a mobile church is blessed are the flexible, and so we're flexible, and I want to thank you for coming to church. Come on, give yourself a hand, and help me thank God for our social global family that's watching this right now. Come on, y'all. Y'all are the atmosphere in here that's reaching people at home, and so uh it's going to be good. It's going to be good today. How many of you, it's your first time ever being at social? Can I see your hand? Your first time ever being at social? Come on. Would you stand to your feet? Your first time at social. Let me see you. Social fam. Would you make some noise for everybody that's standing? Make them feel welcome. If you're watching online, it's your first time logging in. Let us know in the chats. First time here, first time here. My name is Robert, and uh, we lead this church. My wife and I, you saw her. I love to hear her pray. Uh, she's a powerful woman of God, and I'm so thankful for her. I'm thankful for our team that set up this little ambiance. Do you like this? These Moroccan rugs. We're going to have fun in here tonight. I'm going to jump straight into the Word of God. I actually am not going to be before you long because I want us uh, to pray at the end of this service because this is not really a service. This is an activation night. This is your activation into the thing that God is calling you to step into. And so this ain't no regular sermon. I really just want to impart uh, some things into you tonight. But uh, if you have a Bible or iPhone or something, go ahead and get it out. Do you like who you're sitting next to? Would you be honest if you didn't? If you don't like who you're next to, you have liberty to change your seat. I want you to go with me on this Pentecost Sunday to Acts chapter 2, the book of Acts. It's probably in your Bible or on your phone as the Acts of the Apostles. But if you wanted to write in your Bible, you really could edit it and say it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. Because your God has always been looking for somebody he can move through, through, through. So Acts chapter 2, I want to start at verse number 1, and we'll land at verse number 13. When you're ready to read it, say, yeah. If you ain't found it, say, hold on. I heard that, hold on. I'm going to wait for you. Before we read the scripture, we've been in a series. Do you know what it's called? Socially awkward. And I love that we're in this little circle. Does it feel a little awkward? I like it. I like it. And the premise of this series is that every single person is 
awkward. You've been trying to push off your awkwardness. You've been trying to pretend like you got it all together and you're awesome. I'm letting you know right now, sorry, you're awkward. And you need to embrace that awkwardness because I'm finding that God meets us in the awkward. I know we always want to show the best and hide the mess and put this Pinterest perfect polished person on the gram. Talking about just woke up like this. No, you didn't. We like to project this image, this ideal self, but the gap between the ideal you and the real you is actually the space of awkwardness. And all of us have that awkward space or awkward moments. And I've been saying throughout this series, God wants to meet you in the awkward. Stop trying to push away the awkward. As a matter of fact, if you are of the kingdom of God, you're supposed to be awkward. This kingdom is awkward. Remember, I gave you the visual that the actual visual of awkward is literally wrong word to be facing a different direction. That means everybody facing this way, you're the only one facing this way. And you ought to look like that in the kingdom of God because if you're always going with the flow, if there is nothing distinctive or unique about your life, I have some serious questions about your relationship with God. Because there ought to be something different about us. So that's kind of the premise of this series. All of that is on YouTube if you missed any of it. But let's go to Acts chapter 2. When you're ready to read it, say, yeah. That was really for you. They said, hold up. I was stalling for you. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all, somebody say all. Come on, say it with your chest, say all. All filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speaking in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled. That made me laugh. Because first they were confused, and then they were amazed and marveled. Generally, when God is doing something in your life that is new, you will first be confused. Because we like to get stuck in our rhythms and our routines. So generally, when God wants to bring a revolution, it must first start with a disruption. And you'll be confused like, huh? What's going on? But he needs the confusion to get your attention. But after the confusion, then you'll be amazed and marveled. Some of you confused right now. I thought he was the one. I thought he was the one. And he said, no, I'm gone. I know you're confused. But don't give up. Don't give up. You're about to be amazed because that person wasn't connected to your purpose. And when God sends the right one, you're going to be amazed. Sometimes you got to get confused before you get amazed and marveled. They're just appetizing. That's not what I want to talk about. (laughs) Saying to one another, look, are not all those who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Figria and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya joining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, Whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, they're full of new wine. 
I don't want to give you the spoiler, but I'll give it to you. It, it makes me laugh because after this moment, the, the Spirit of God has moved so much, folks think they're drunk. And Peter has to give an explanation, and I love Peter's explanation. It made me laugh. You might have missed it. He said, oh, oh, they're not drunk. It's only nine in the morning. He didn't say, oh, they don't do that. We don't drink. No, he said, no, it's too early for all that. That just made me laugh. It's kind of awkward. It's kind of awkward that here we have the birth of the church. Holy Spirit is moving, and people hear their language and the wonderful works of God, and then mockers think they're drunk. This is an awkward scenario. And they ask the question, what does this mean? I don't have a fancy title tonight, but I just want to talk about what Pentecost means. What Pentecost means. Look at your neighbor, whichever one looks the most friendly, and just say, neighbor. Come on, y'all are scared to talk to your neighbor. Are you doing it online? Whoever you with, just look at them. Say, neighbor. Do you know what Pentecost means? Find you another neighbor. That one didn't want to talk to you. Come on. Say, other neighbor. I hope you know what Pentecost means. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Speak to us today. Amen. We're talking about being socially awkward. There's a question that I've yet to ask in this series that has to be asked tonight. And I want you to do this whether you're in the room or watching online, Social Global Fam. How many of you, by a showing of hands, would say that you were raised in church. Can I see your hand if you were raised in church? My goodness, look at all these hands raised in church. Okay, keep it raised, keep it raised. Unless the church you were raised in was conservative in their expression, you can put your hand down. If it was conservative in its expression, put your hand down. See how quick that hand went down. But if your church was Pentecostal and charismatic. Look, you already do. Just go ahead and get that hand, little wave. Get that. You can put it down. That made me laugh. She went straight into it. I already know where you're going with it. It's funny because it's Pentecost Sunday, and maybe when I said Pentecost, your mind went straight to Pentecostal. And I found out that it's interesting that when you bring up Pentecost or even Pentecostal, it is amazing the images that come into the minds of individuals. It's amazing the scenarios and situations that they go to. I'll tell you, I was raised Pentecostal. I was raised in a household that we had to go to church. Er, day the doors were open, had to be in church. You've heard me tell this story. I never forget the day I was so sick of it. I told my Nigerian daddy, I ain't going today. And he said, let me tell you something, boy. <laughs> tell you something, you have two options, huh? You can get out of that bed and go to church, or I can kill you. You will go to church and have your funeral, but either way, you will be in church. Because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's not a joke. That's a true story. But I was raised Pentecostal, and that was my world. The world that shapes you is all that you know. And it wasn't until I actually even went to a Pentecostal university and then started having conversations with people who were not raised Pentecostal that I started realizing what Pentecostals get uh, their reputation for have you ever talked to somebody, especially that's never been to church, and you start telling them that you're Pentecostal, that you're spirit-filled, you're a charismatic? I mean, it's funny, the conversation. I remember one dude, I was talking to him, he's like, oh, so you're probably one of them churches that, like, drinks poison and handles snakes. 
I said, bro, no, we don't do, we don't do none of that. He said, well, well, you were part of one of them churches that like speaks in tongues and like runs and shouts and stuff. I said, well, you got me there. You got me there. <laughs> got me there. See, it's funny that the expressions that we have and the images that come to mind, I'm just telling you my history. I grew up in the church where it was normal. It was normal for me to see people get up and shout back at the preacher. It was normal for me to see people come to the altar and when the pastor, sometimes somebody would pray for them, they just fall out under the power of God. And you know you were really at a Pentecostal church when they already had blankets ready. We know where they are. They have a location. I grew up in churches like that. I, I grew up going to youth camp. Youth camp. You go to youth camp. And you already knew the routine. First night of the camp, you're giving your life back to Jesus for the hundredth time. And the second night, you're going a little bit deeper. And on that third night, woo, you're going to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Woo. See, that's the distinction. I know you grew up Pentecostal if you call it Holy Ghost. And I know you grew up conservative if you call it Holy Spirit difference. I grew up and we would have a line on this side and a line on this side. We called the Holy Ghost car wash. People come through and get paid for. I grew up in all of that. I grew up in services. Long services. Long services. Some of y'all been rocking with Social Dallas for a while. You think our services was long. No, 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 no. Back in the day, long morning and night, Wednesday night, long services. Services so long, you say, well, God, I'd just rather go to hell than to be here. In this church all day, please. Don't take all that. But I grew up, I grew up in those environments. And hear me today, I want to be very clear. I am thankful for how I grew up. I'm not ashamed of that expression when the spirit moves. Matter of fact, I dare say our church is one of those churches that sometimes when the spirit is moving, you will see. An expression that causes people to be perhaps animated. But I guess the question I'm asking myself is, is that all it's for? Is, is, is the expression and the power of Pentecost only so we can have long services? Only so we can speak in tongues and believe me, I speak in tongues more than you all. But is that all it's for? Because it's messed up. If you can speak real good in tongues, but you can't speak kind in English. I'm just asking, is that all it's for? I'm, I'm all for falling out. I have had moments, hear me, in the presence of God where it was not a courtesy fall. I'm telling you, it was the power of God hitting me. It was, but after I fell down, I had to get up. And I'm just wondering, what is Pentecost really about? Why do we need this power? Is the power just relegated to what happens in here? Or was that power supposed to leave here and actually make a difference out there where it counts? You have to be careful, especially no matter what world you've been shaped in, because you will start defining a move of God by what happens inside the walls of a church instead of defining it by its original intention of the move, which is to be out. Ooh, or if you're on the other pendulum and all those illustrations I just gave you scared you to death. Can I just tell you today, you don't have to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. 
As a matter of fact, as I was praying over this message, I pray that somebody leaving here today will realize that the Holy Spirit is not a person to be feared. It is a gift to be received. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a gift to be received. You don't have to fear. Let me tell you why you don't have to fear Pentecost. You don't have to fear Pentecost simply because of definition. You know what Pentecost means? Penta means five. Costy means to the tenth. Pentecost just means 50. So you're scared of Pentecost, you're scared of 50. That's the definition of Pentecost. Pentecost is 50. Pentecost was 50 days after the Passover. 50 days after the Passover. After the Passover, whenever the children of Israel celebrated that powerful moment, that powerful moment where each family had to take a lamb for themselves, kill that lamb, and sprinkle the blood of the lamb on the wooden doorpost so that when the death angel saw the blood of the lamb over each wooden doorpost, it had to pass over that house. How many know it was just a preview of a coming attraction? It was just a setup for another lamb who was going to be slain, but his blood would not be shed on a wooden doorpost. His blood was shed on a wooden cross, and I'm thankful today for the cross of Jesus Christ because when I identify with that cross, how many know death has to pass over my life? Disease has to pass over my life. Worry has to pass over my life. Sickness has to pass over my life. Oh, it might hit me, but it's got to pass over, not because of my record, not because of my goodness, but because of that precious blood that was shed. I wish I had somebody in here that was just thankful for the blood of Jesus, the one that reaches to the highest mountain and flows to the lowest valley. It still has power today. Thank him for that cross. Oh, I wish I had time. I'm trying to show you tonight that the Holy Spirit did not start moving in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit has always been on the move. All the way from the book of Genesis, the Holy Spirit in creation, Genesis chapter 1, it was hovering, it was moving over the face of the waters. The Holy Spirit has always been moving. Please don't relegate it to Acts chapter 2. It's always been moving, looking for vessels that are open and willing to receive what God is doing. Looking for a church that is not stuck on what God was doing, but it's ready to move into what God is doing. Spirit's always, always been moving. Would you just move your neighbor just a little bit? Just, just push him just a little bit. Come on, social global family, just push your neighbor just a little bit. Move him. You know why I'm having you move them? Because the neighbor you're pushing has a tendency and the proclivity to always get stuck. Oh, yes, they get stuck. Stuck in systems of religion. Stuck in cycles of addiction. Stuck in religious routine. Stuck in what was. And God says, I need a fresh outpour of the Spirit so stuck people can start moving into what I'm doing now. Oh, I don't want to be stuck in what God was doing. God, I want to be a part of what you're doing in the earth right now. However you want to get the gospel out, I'm ready to do it. What do you think 2020 was showing us? He had to shut down some buildings to get the church to wake up and realize you are the church. Stop looking for a building and start saying, God, fill me again. Oh, somebody just take 20 seconds and give God some praise like you want him to fill you again. He's always been moving. He's always been moving. He's always been moving. He's always been moving. 
In Genesis, he moved. He moved all throughout the Old Testament. Everything you see in the Old Testament that you keep skipping in your one-year reading Bible program. Oh, we need both covenants, the old and the new. The old covenant, the Old Testament is the Spirit and Christ concealed the New Testament. Is he re him revealed? He's always been moving. He moved. The same Spirit that hovered over the waters hovered over the womb of Mary. I said, uh, Joseph, we got to talk. Uh, hard to explain, but something's happening. He gives birth to the Savior of the world, and he starts moving throughout this earth. I laugh at people saying, let's make Jesus famous. You can say it, but you realize he already is. <laughs> we can make him more known. We can make the right Jesus, because so many people have the wrong image of the Savior in their head. They see the Savior who is distant and aloof, who's waiting to knock them upside the head. We need a revelation of this Savior who loves you so much that on earth every sickness was healed. Every disease moved in power while he was on the earth. Went to the cross, got up from the grave. And that's generally where we stop. That's where we stop to shout. That's why we love Easter and you wear your pastels. Because we stop to shout at the resurrection. And if you're not careful, you reduce the gospel so he came, he lived, he died, he got up. He came, he lived, he died, he got up. He came, he lived, he died, he got up. That is not the totality of the gospel. The totality of the gospel is he came, he lived, he died, he got up, he ascended. The Holy Spirit came down. The church was born. And he is coming back again. Oh, make sure you got the full story. I'm not stopping my shout at the resurrection. I want to shout about the ascension that he went up because what goes up has to come back down. That's what happened in that upper room with 120 believers. That's why he told them, don't get stuck looking up. The same Savior that you see is going to come back again. But until that time, get together with some believers and start waiting and praying for an outpouring that is still available today. I feel like preaching tonight. So, full gospel. As he came, he lived, he died, he got up, he ascended. The Holy Spirit came down. The church was born. He's coming back again. So he tells them, don't stay here. Go to an upper room. 120 people are waiting. And let's see what they're doing. Because before I even get to Pentecost, I'm setting up the prerequisite for Pentecost. How do you know if you have the Holy Spirit? What has to happen before the Spirit falls? Because we get so caught up, especially if you've been raised Pentecostal, and how the Spirit manifested. But I am intrigued with the prerequisite of Pentecost. What happened before? Well, they go to the supper room. They're all waiting. And if you actually read in Acts chapter 1, something interesting happens in Acts chapter 1. Peter. You know crazy Peter, <laughs> cousin Peter. Some of y'all like Peter. 
You love the Lord, but ooh, don't let somebody make you mad. You will speak in a tongue that is not in the Bible. The first order of business in that upper room, remember what it was? Read it when you get to the crib. Peter gets up and says, uh, let us not forget that our dear brother, the original hater, Judas, he did what was actually prophesied and he betrayed. And now we've got to get a replacement. And they cast lots because they said, the first order of business in this upper room is to get our unity back. The Spirit's going to come, but the prerequisite for the Spirit coming is unity. For three years, we've been moving as a unit of 12. We've lost one. We've got to replace the one we lost because we need the full unit of 12. Ooh, that was the first order of business. And then it says when they were all in one place ooh, and in one accord. Ooh, what is the Holy Spirit trying to tell us? That I will not descend on division. <laughs> Y'all might not shout after this. I will not pour myself out when there is dissension, discord, and division. This is why the 12 had to be back intact. And this is why they had to be in one place and in one accord. Now here's the thing about the church. It is easy to get in one place. I mean, look at us tonight. Look around you. We all in one place. This is easy. But one accord? <laughs> Do you know who you sit next to? Do you know who they voted for? <laughs> Have you seen their Facebook post? Have you seen their Instagram? See, it's easy to get in one place. The challenge for the church has always been to get on one accord. We can get in one place. That's easy. We can all get in AT&T Stadium. We can all get in there, but there are clear distinctions. Come on. There is one team that is favored by God, the Dallas Cowboys. But if you're one of them eagles or one of them little stealers or something, oh my goodness, you know, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Oh, we might be in the same place. But we are not in one accord. I'm in one accord with the people that got on the blue and got on the silver. And it is amazing to me. I have seen this in games. It is amazing to me that when you are in one place like that at a football game, how easy it is for people who are on your team to get in one accord, especially if they had a little something. to. I have seen people who would probably fight in the parking lot, but once they got in there, because we're going for the same team, and sometimes if they're a little bit intoxicated, they'll say, come on, man, and you'll see somebody say, what it is, to a get her done, and they're high-fiving each other. How does that happen in the stadium but can't happen in the church? We must not be as full of the Spirit as we think we are. Because the Spirit did not fall down until there was unity. This might be the most practical Pentecostal message that you ever see here. You want a move of God? 
You want proof positive that you're full of the Spirit? Oh, don't just stop at a tongue. Don't just stop at a shuck and a buck. I want to know how your unity is. I want to know are you sowing seeds of discord? I want to know the conversation you have, not in church, outside of church. How you talk about leadership. How you talk about the church in general. You want to know you're full of the Spirit? Unity. God will not descend on division. It's challenging to get on one accord of the same thought, same mind. It's easy to get in one place. You know why it's hard? Because we're so diverse. And can I just talk about our church, which I love, which finds you a church, even if this were not your cup of tea, find you a Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church. What I love about our church is God has put on our church the mandate to have unity and diversity. Be careful before you shout, because that's hard. It is so hard to have unity and diversity. Unity and diversity. Unity and diversity. That is hard. Unity and diversity. Unity and diversity. Unity and diversity. Unity and the uni, u, university. You understand that's the concept of university. It was founded by the church. They had a vision that we could all be on the same campus. And even though I'm not taking the course you're taking, and even though I don't have the same career that you have, when we walk across that stage and they say, well done, we all graduate from the same university because we've got unity in diversity Woo. are y'all recording this I'm gonna watch it later for you too unity and diversity that's what God is calling the church to they were in one accord in one place and then what happened next oh yeah suddenly there was a sound as a mighty rushing wind mighty rushing wind. Why is wind showing up? Why is tongues of fire sitting on each one of them? Don't forget that the Old Testament and the New Testament are connected. What is happening here in the book of Acts is what happened on Mount Sinai. When Moses came to the mountain, God revealed himself with smoke there was a sound of a trumpet and there was fire but Moses was the only one that was able to go off and the people feared and they ran away from God but look at what he is doing here he is reversing it he's saying this is the new covenant he said yes I brought you the word you got the mountain the word on Mount Sinai Moses and got the Ten Commandments but in the New Testament now my spirit is coming down and it's going to rest on each one of you do you see the power of what God is doing and sometimes we are still operating from an old covenant because you want to relegate a move of God to some preacher or some person with a microphone but I'm telling you the revival that is coming in this last day is not coming from a preacher with a microphone and a podcast it's gonna come when some believers will wake up and say in every sphere of influence I got the same fire on me I need the same power of the Holy Spirit
spirit to flow on my job at Target, to flow in the classroom, to flow in the boardroom, in every sphere of society. That's why it had to fall on every single one of them. Who are you waiting for? Who are you waiting for? I'm telling you, tonight is an activation to say that God, I want the power of the Holy Spirit to rest on me, to receive this gift. Here it is, to be a witness. You want to know if you're full of the Spirit, do you have unity? That's the prerequisite. But what's the purpose? It's for you to have power to be a witness. Power to share your faith with somebody else. How you been saved? 15 years. And don't nobody in your child know you say? You ain't shared your faith. What? See, that's what you need the boldness for. We got it twisted. You think you need it in here. It's not in here. It's too easy in here. It's easy. You don't need boldness in here. And here you say, holly, somebody going to say, Luya. Here you say, praise us, somebody say, the Lord. You need that boldness when you're in environments and you say, holly, and they say, forget you. Look, my feet hurt. It's a pandemic. I ain't got no money to pay my bill. That's where you need the power. The purpose is for evangelism to be activated to have the boldness to share your faith. Oh, now I get why every single different nation as they began to speak in tongues heard their own language. Ooh, this is going to mess some of y'all up that's been raised in church. You understand that the word tongues here is different than the word tongues used in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. See, in 1 Corinthians 14, the apostle Paul is talking about tongues. That Greek word is glossolalia. And he's talking about this crazy church that is, you know, got all kinds of issues, but they don't have order. He said, when you speak in an unknown tongue, that heavenly language, glossolalia, he said, you speak to God, you build your faith up. But that's actually not the Greek word used here in Acts chapter two. This is actually languages. Dialecto is the Greek word where we get dialect. You know what happened in that upper room? Ooh, it's going to mess you up. All of a sudden, these Galileans who would have been your country people today, they didn't have no education. They start speaking in other languages that everybody heard. That's, read it when you get to the crib, study it. That's what's happening here. It would be like all of us in this room today in Acts chapter 2. And the power of God moved, and all of a sudden, you start speaking French. And you start speaking Spanish. And I start speaking German. And they never had a class. And all of a sudden, all of us are declaring the wonderful works of God. That's what's happening in Acts chapter 2. Now, some people take it to the extent they say, well, now, and that's all it was, and the gifts of the Spirit are now for today. Oh, no, 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 because there's a different term that he used in 1 Corinthians 14, which actually speaks to tongues, that heavenly language, that when you pray in that language that only God knows, it actually builds up your faith. Jude said, it builds you up. You need it. But in Acts chapter 2, he's showing us a picture of what Pentecost is. 
that what is happening in this room is not supposed to stay in this room. It's supposed to go out from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You want to know if you're full of the Spirit? How's your unity? You want to know if you're full of the Spirit? How is your example? Does anybody look at your life and say, man, I want to live the way she's living. I want my family to be like that family. Is there anything different about you? When your waiter takes too long to bring your food, do you have a different response? Oh, you got the same response. For real? We've been here five hours. Or are you the one that actually says, hey, I realize you got a lot of tables. Seems like a lot is going on. Um, just put the guacamole down. Um, <laughs> is there anything I can pray with you about? Right here? Yeah, right here in Chili's. Anything? <laughs> you for real? Yeah, I'm for real. Oh, by the way, what's the best tip you've gotten? Uh, here's not much. What's the best tip? No 50? I'm a triple it. Yeah. It's for real? Because you know how church people, they'll pray and they won't leave no tips, see? <laughs> see, we don't like this. That's the power of Pentecost. It's out there. Not in here. God is looking for a church that will get together in unity that will transform every sphere of influence that God would put you in. And say, God, fill me again. Fill me again. Would you stand to your feet? Worship team, join me. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind. And tongues of fire sat upon each and every one of them. What a moment. What a moment. Up until this moment, the anointing and the presence only fell on priests and kings and prophets. But look at this Savior. The one who says, I have to go away. It's better that I leave you. Because if I don't leave you, the helper will not come. You want to be awkward? You cannot be awkward in your own strength. Not the type of awkward that this kingdom demands. Pray for your enemies? I can't even stop myself from going off on my enemies when they write something crazy on my Instagram page. Pray for them? Bless them? That's awkward. Bless those that curse you? That is awkward. Forgive people who they know they were wrong when they hurt you. Forgive them? That's awkward. Have peace when every single thing you see on the news and in the world 
attempting to give you a nervous breakdown. You can't do this in your own strength. That type of awkward demands a power. And look at this beautiful Savior who says, I completed my task by paying the debt of sin and living the life that only I could live and dying the death that you were supposed to die. But I ascended so the Holy Spirit could come down and you could have a helper. You don't have to do it in your own strength. Why would you not want this gift? Why would you not want your life to look different? I'm all for speaking in tongues. Our church wholeheartedly believes in that. That beautiful heavenly language, that is a gift that if you desire to receive it, doesn't make you better than anybody else. It's not a badge of, I got power, they don't. It builds you up. I'm all for people falling out. There are moments where we just need to be in the presence of God and it marks us forever. I'm all for tears. I've been in the presence of God even tonight. Tears coming down my face as God's presence flooded this place. But man, this is not the end. What happens here cannot stay here. We must be witnesses. Some of you are going through the toughest season of your life. But help me know you need power to be a witness in that trial. Huh? Matter of fact, that's when witnesses need to speak. It's during a trial. Somebody's watching. How in the world can you be that single mom holding down the job of two? How do you have your sanity? Oh, it's not my power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. He'll guide you in all truth. He will lead you. And God told me if I preach this message today, somebody would be filled. Some for the first time, some refilled tonight. You have access to this power. On this moment, heads bowed, eyes closed. I first want to talk to those of you who've not surrendered your life to Jesus, even those of you watching online. Passover preceded Pentecost because I must identify with this cross first. So many people wonder do you receive? The Holy Spirit, when you give your life to Jesus, yes, but all throughout Scripture, I didn't have time to go through it. It is so clear, Acts 19, that there is another experience after salvation that empowers you to be a witness. But the first step is to say, Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner in need of this Savior. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody's looking around. You know who you are today. You know when God is speaking to you. If you're here and you say, Pastor Robert, would you include me in this closing prayer? I need to give my life to Jesus. We say it all the time here at Social. We'll say it for as long as we're in this city. You can always come home. You can always come home. You can't.
always come home. I'm telling you, I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you've done it with. You can always come home. He's waiting for you to come home. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you'd be so honest, say, Pastor Robert, I need to give my life to Jesus. And tonight, my night. Would you just lift up your hand high enough and long enough to where I can see it? Just say, I'm coming home. I see hands. I see hands all across this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Anybody else? Somebody watching right now, Social Global Fam, right there in your living room, God's presence. His spirit knows no limits. He's with you right now. You can just fall to your knees right there, wherever you're watching this from. There's a reason you hadn't logged off now because God is speaking to you. He's calling you home. Anybody else, you can lift it up and you can put it right back down. Thank you, Jesus. I want us to pray this prayer. We're going to pray it as one big family. But especially those of you who responded, would you just say this from your heart? Say, Jesus. I need you. Jesus, thank you so much for loving me enough to pay the price for my sin. Jesus, thank you. I don't have to be stuck. Your blood that was shed for me my sin washes me clean so Lord today I repent I'm coming home I give you my heart I give you my mind I give you my soul I give you all of me I am yours Give God praise tonight for them. Thank you. We would like to thank you for being a part of our social global family. Please head to our website, socialdallas.online, and see the many ways you can stay connected with us from around the world.